Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. Thanks for downloading it. I'm your host, Wes Shank, and I'm here today with our co-host and general manager, David McDerris, and the company owner, Crystal Shank. She's with us today. Each week, we review the latest, greatest happenings in wind and solar and how they'll impact you and your alternative energy projects. If you'd like more information about anything you heard on the podcast, check out all of our educational resources at windandsolar.com, including links to over 300 of our YouTube videos. Or feel free to reach out to our Seymour, Missouri-based sales team at 417-708-5359. You can also email them at sales at wind and solar. And if you really want to get in depth, come and sit with David in our hands-on workshop in Seymour. He will even buy you a Subway sandwich so you can sit and talk over lunch. And you can get all the details on that on our website, windandsolar.com. Okay, so we are very lucky we managed to lasso Crystal and bring her into the conversation today. And what we are wanting to do is kind of have a follow-on conversation. We talked in one of our recent episodes about the changes that are happening, particularly in California. And David, give me a little more background on that. I mean, I know you've looked into this a little more. Yeah, so in California, they've gone from their NEMA 2.0. They're getting ready to switch in April, and this just happens in April that the switchover happens to the NEMA 3.0, which is going to greatly reduce the payback that you're going to receive from the power companies. Yeah, it was like cutting the seventy percent. Yeah, it was like crazy. uh, Right now, they pay back at all over the state of California. They pay back at your retail rate. So, say West that you were on the grid and you were producing electricity and you were buying it from the grid at twenty cents, and let's say you were producing back into the grid, they also give you a credit for twenty cents. So one to one. I mean, you get a full credit of that, and they're going to reduce that now to eight cents a kilowatt hour. And most of California is running between 22 and 32 cents a kilowatt hour. So it's a major, major reduction. And so basically what they're, I don't know if this was intentional or unintentional, but basically what that's going to drive are people who have solar and to put in batteries in because instead of giving that power yeah, back just, to the grid, yeah, yeah. they want to bank it because it's... It'll be more beneficial yeah, just be, to bank it and be use much it at more night. Beneficial for them just to hold on to that because it's at a much lower rate than what they would be buying back. That is correct. You're going to see a lot of installs. We talked about it last time. There's a 1.5 million solar installations of residential solar installations in the state of California currently, and so you're talking a huge amount of people that are going to need to add batteries to their systems if they're wanting to keep that current pricing that they're having right now or have that current benefit that they're having right now. So so one of the things I know we've been talking about and get you and Crystal's feedback on this is you've got some systems out there. And if I get this wrong, just feel free to obviously correct me like you normally do, is that you have like the in phase that was just designed for that grid-tied AC, correct? That's correct. That was all it was ever meant to do was just to AC tie. So you're just basically matching grid voltage. If the grid was down, you're down. It was only ever meant to do that. It was never meant to have batteries on it. So that will probably actually here be a future podcast that we'll do 
of how you're going to need to go back and do that. But today, I think we're going to focus. You just can't take any given battery, even when you start going back and trying to add a battery bank to that system. In the state of California, especially, you won't be able to just go back with any battery. They're going to set limitations and set UL listings. And Crystal and I were talking about that earlier. We were talking just moments ago before we started this, that we're right now, we're currently carrying the Pites battery. The Pites battery has CEC listings, it has UL1741, and it also has the UL458 listing. It's one of the only lithium batteries on the market right now that is capable of going into California, meeting all the criteria that they're going to recommend that you do. Not just recommend, they're going to require it. So, David, when somebody is looking for that compatible battery for California, what UL listing are they looking for? Because sometimes the certifications and everything can get a little confusing, right? They're, Each state's a yeah, little bit Yeah, they're going to be looking. California's going to require both. They're going to require the UL-458 and the UL-1741. There's another major competitor on the market that is only UL-1741 listed. California will not accept them into their, especially as you start to add them to the grid. It's one thing if you're in an off-grid situation type deal, really at that point, unless you're in a homeowners association or unless you're in a place that requires that you get a permit for everything that you're doing, you might get it through. But when you actually start adding these back to the power company grid, they will check every one of these. This will be an item that they're going to check and make sure that it's meeting their specifications on the ULs. And it's funny because, you know, of all the years that we've really talked about batteries, particularly with our off-grid systems, nobody's worried about UL. Right. And so now that batteries are a lot more popular in systems or even required, I suppose, to an extent to keep all of these incentives in place, well, now that's coming into the mix. Yeah. So I understand even Canada has some of their own regulation. The Canada has got the... uh they're the ones that has the CAC listing. That's the Canada listing. And there again, the Pites has that listing as well. So they have every listing that is required in North America to actually install on every level, being as a grid level, off-grid, no matter what, every county, they meet all those requirements. So okay. uh, there again, some of the major competitors are not meeting that. Yeah. So I guess when you're talking to a salesperson or you're out researching batteries and you're unsure, you really do need to ask. Yeah, I mean, just jumping online and clicking on findsolarkits.com or whatever you type into your search bar, you know, and it pulls up these different things, you know, some of the major ones that's going to pop up right off the beginning. If you're in California, Colorado, places of that nature, you better really make sure that they're going to meet the code because a lot well, of that stuff will not. Well, let's talk about that. What batteries do we carry that aren't going to meet the code? You won't be able to use a flooded lead acid battery. Even though they had the UL1741, that won't meet the code. They're pretty much going to push you to like the Pites battery. Simplify does have the, they do actually meet the code. The other one we carry that does and is Fortress. They actually meet that code. Some of the ones that the major ones. What about ones, the AGMs? The AGMs, they're not going to meet the 458 code, which there again, that's required for California. Colorado, they would meet it in. Arizona, they would meet it in, but they wouldn't meet it in California. California's got the most strict codes. I can just tell you, as things progress in the grid, one of the major deals and one of the major reasons this is coming down the line is everybody that watches the news or pays any attention at all is the EV vehicle, right? I mean, the EV vehicles is what's pushing this electric the need to get away from fossil fuels. I mean, that's the big push. Well, doing that, we've seen what happens to the electric grid with this 
a cold snap. They're going to make a big push for batteries instead of having your own. So basically, you we're going to have our own little power producing plants at our own home instead of you know having a big grid you know style battery, which they tried. Morestar actually tried it in Springfield a few years back. City utilities wanted to do that, and you're going to see some of those happen. And that's because of these big solar fields they have out. They have to put these big storage banks in. And one of them is frequency regulation. You know, like in California, when you produce too much electricity on the coast at one given time, you have an effect on the frequency of the generator that's producing all the rest of the energy. And so it wants to slow down the frequency. Well, you can't slow down your frequency. Your equipment doesn't work properly. Your computers don't work. Things that it has to stay on that frequency. So these big storage banks are what's doing that. Well, they're finding out on a big storage when you're talking a big storage level, grid level type situation, that it's very hard to maintain for them. There again, but Wes, you did a very large battery bank where we did small cells beginning out. And how hard was that to manage? I mean, because one cell was really <laughs> was really hard because just one cell threw everything so catastrophically off. You're like, golly, this isn't working. And that's the same way on these big grid level batteries. I mean, it's the same thing. One big cell goes out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, the thing's not working. So they're trying to get it pushed back to where everybody's getting to control their own. In your house, what's your off-grid? But anyway, but in your house, you would have control of your battery bank. It's going to end up being a shared resource. Oh, yes, it will be because what will happen, even as such, when your batteries are full, say using the Solark, for instance, which you use that in your home, but there again, you're not grid-tied. But if you were grid-tied, once that battery bank is full— it will then export back to the grid again. And that's why the batteries have to pertain under the UL listings that they require because it is actually attached to the grid. It is feeding energy from that battery bank to the grid. Well, do we know what they're going to do if you have existing batteries that don't comply? They will probably grandfather them in at any point that you try to add to that battery bank, right? It's like St. Louis County, for instance. It can be this way in lots of places. You, You can change the faucet out on a tub, but if you say, but I want to add an extra shower head, so I want to run an extra piece of plumbing up. Now the whole system in your house, the whole plumbing system in your house is subject now to inspection just because you wanted to add one little piece of pipe. And so that's what will happen if you try to change anything in your solar systems out there, anything, then your whole system now will come back under scrutiny and go back to the new codes and you will not grandfather in anymore. So if you have a battery bank that's say four or five years old, still has 10, 12 years left on it, but it doesn't meet the code requirement, it's out. So it's really going to hurt people and be like, oh my gosh. You know? It might force your hand to decide, you know, do you scrap your current battery bank, switch over to something new? I imagine with some of the older solar fields where they were replacing somewhat obsolete panels as far as wattage output in selling those off, you might have some Gently right. used battery banks go up for sale, which, yeah. ooh, that's squirrely in and of itself. I don't know that I'd want to. Me personally, used things. Yeah. <laughs> batteries are not one of them. I don't want to go to the. I don't want to go to the discount store to buy my batteries. I can tell you that because they are such a huge part of your system. Well, adding batteries with particularly California, where you do have EV charging and such a heavy load on the utility grid and that kind of thing. Adding batteries is not necessarily a bad thing if you want to help manipulate a little bit your charging and what you're actually paying the utility company for peak hours and oh, yeah. that yeah. peak, peak rate. Shaving. You can potentially charge your batteries when it's cheaper 
and then use that battery power That's right. when your rates are higher, when more people are actually pulling power from the grid. So That's a great point. When you have the ability to have batteries, like the Solar, you can tell it kind of when to be on, when to be off. Well, you may have it on just during to pull from batteries during the peak shaving, not at night. Electricity rates get cheap at night because really nobody's pulling from the grid at that point, you know, so they'll drop the rate a lot lower. So where a lot of people think, well, I have to use my batteries at night because that's when there's no more solar, that wouldn't be the case. You'd want to make sure that you're using your batteries of the day. Your solar's still coming in, still recharging those at the same time. You're still getting all the use out of your energy you're producing every day. It's just you're going to do it in a different way to mitigate that cost. So basically what you're saying, you're sending your day production to the grid right and getting the benefit of that cost wise right and then at night you're actually charging your batteries back at night right because they're still going to rates lower at the current rate that is now when they change it will depend that has not been all played out yet exactly there's still a few things they're trying to figure out one of it is the rate they were going to do a flat rate of eight cents which in some cases was you know 75 percent less than they were doing in some cases, it was only about around 55, 60%. And then they will go back and try to see what we're going to do as far as what rate we're going to give. I really think they're going to come out with a flat rate. They kind of the same way they do right here in Missouri, Oracle co-op that I'm on. They just have a flat rate. But now the reason we have a flat rate is because our co-op sells to us at a flat rate. We don't have peak demand on my co-op. Now, that's not the way one here on the store. But they don't have a peak demand or anything like that. They just went with one flat rate. And so that was easier for them when they chose. But like even in my co-op that I'm on, I think our flat rate is like 9.4 cents a kilowatt hour. But they only buy back at 1.9 cents a kilowatt hour. I mean, I understand the frustration. And the problem that you have with that is as you deal in California, if they have different electrical entities as well, just like then they will, as they're doing that, what's going to happen is you're going to find that some of them are going to be still more susceptible or receptive to the actual idea of solar, and some of them are not. California is going to overall be a little more receptive because they're a little more progressive in the in the uh, renewable energy field or alternative energy fields. So. Well, so last time we talked about this, we talked about our concerns and how that was going to overall just run battery prices and battery availability really out. Since that conversation, do we have any other concerns? My biggest concern still is going to be battery availability. As it progresses down the line, and you take a lot of existing customers that are already on solar, want to keep it, you're going to see a lot of those. There again, we talked about 1.5 million installations. A third of them want to add batteries, just a third. It's not just going to have an effect on the batteries either, though, because like on that M phase with the microinverters, and they cannot just add battery banks to those. Emphase has got a new Envoy system coming out that you will be able to adapt some of their inverters to, especially the, some of their string inverters. But overall in the micro inverters, you're talking that you're going to have to totally add an excellent, a new inverter into the mix. And we'll get that in another podcast. But when that happens, it's going to put a huge strain just on that inverter market alone, again, by itself, just because there's people that are currently already doing it and they're going to have to add these batteries to the system. So it's going to put a strain on the battery market and on the inverter market again 
to levels that we didn't really want to have to see again. So Now, luckily, I mean, I guess for all those folks in California, assuming all rolls in together, you've got the Inflation Reduction Act tax rebates for adding all of these in. And so that includes batteries. That does. And that's something that had never been before. You couldn't on your renewable energy system. The only thing that was subject to it was the wiring, the panels. The racking was actually part of it, but batteries were not. The big deal is it's not just for batteries on a new installation. There again, we're not tax professionals here, but it's not on the new installation. It's on adding batteries to an existing installation. And that's a huge deal because before that was never a deal. Like before when you added renewable energy to your primary residence, because that's what it's supposed to be is on your primary residence. When you added that to that on the residential side, you had that one-time shot. And then if you said, well, next year I'm going to double my system, you didn't get to do that again. You didn't get to hold that next year's off. You got it on the first shot. When we're trying to tell people and show people and design systems, we want to make sure that that first shot that you're doing is the one that you really want to hold your tax credit off of. If you're just kind of starting out, right? I mean, you're just kind of like, well, I want to get my feet wet. I don't really want to do too much you know, spend maybe just a couple thousand dollars here, but next year I want to do a big system, you know, a 10,000, then don't do that on that $2,000 system. Now, if you're going to add batteries back, it's not a big deal because then it all comes back and is subject to the tax credit at that point. I mean, since we're trying to kind of focus on battery choice by where you live, California, I mean, you don't have to add four of those Fortress E-Vault batteries Mm. and have tons of days of autonomy. You could go with a single battery. Yeah. And the storage capacity on the Pites battery is... Just a little over five kilowatt. Yeah. I mean, you're not looking at tens of thousands of dollars. Necessarily in your batteries. No. You know, that new Pites battery, I mean, I think we retail it right at $2,000. It comes with all its cables. It kind of comes with everything you need for one individual battery. And even if you have to put multiple batteries on the system. I mean, we have the cables, everything that you need to connect those together. They're actually very cheap for what they are to connect them together. I priced one yesterday. I mean, it's a 20 kilowatt battery for $16,000 for an individual. And that's unheard of, you know, in our industry, right, that we'd been dealing in. We've got the capabilities of, and it's a server rack style battery. They can be stacked up. They don't take up a whole lot of room. It's a great addition to our uh, lineup of batteries yeah. for sure. It is a nice compact battery. It's heavy. Yeah. yeah. Team lift item. (laughs) Yeah, it's a team lift. It's got handles on both sides for two people. But they do have nice cabinets and racking if you end up going with multiples. It is a good unit. They have so many options. I mean, they even have outdoor options that you can have boxes that you can attach to the outside of the house. Somebody may be like, why would you do that? Well, because the Solark is an indoor-outdoor rated product as well. So you can actually keep all your stuff on the outside if you didn't want to. Maybe you just don't have room in the utility room that your box is at right there. You can mount it right on the outside of the home and not take up any room inside the home. So, All right. Well, have we explored this to... I think we've beat it in the head. <laughs> Ask your sales representative if your battery is California compliant. <laughs> That's right. Because you know it's going to eventually... It's going to trickle down. Whether you like it or not, yeah. uh, sometimes these things happen. So. Yeah. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. And we look forward to bringing you more podcasts. Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast or just want to say hello, email us at radio at windandsolar.com. As always, check out our store at windandsolar.com and buy some stuff. Your financial support underwrites our educational outreach like the podcast, YouTube channel, 
and local STEM collaboration. It also keeps Lucy and her doggy chicken treats. Thanks again for listening.